Welcome to episode 539 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright, team, welcome along to episode three, no, five, three, nine of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. I was 300, that was years yeah, ago, John. What sort of oh. podcast would be there if it only done 300? Oh, only 300. Okay, Jonbo, uh, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. So, you're networking for endurance athletes, extreme endurance, your lactic buffer, and our patrons. And, John, name a few. Oh, Bevan, why is this not saved? I had a few. Put Mark it Thatcher? Before. Mark Steely Thatcher? I think you must have the save version. I have got the save version because I, I have yeah. not. Andrew Stormtrooper Gilmore. Yeah. We've got Stuart Neo Smith. We've got Joseph the Night Shadow. Oh, I think it's Kari Brook. And then we've got Gavin Wings Karen. So there we go. That's some of our patrons. Are Great. Yeah. You save, you save, you save your notes. My Dropbox is still sinking. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, guys, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a long discussion of the week. We have indeed. A long discussion. I'm starting the campaign, Bevan. He's, he's, John's, the rant started before the show, and you guys are going to hear all about that rant real soon. We've got a website a week, couple of websites a week. Slow down, it? Bevan, slow down. Why? You're, going too, you're talking too fast. I always talk too fast. I know. We've got, a, we've got lots of new listeners now. <laughs> Welcome to your new listeners. Welcome new listeners. Listen faster. Do you know what, John? Listening, you can listen faster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Is yeah. Bevan the teacher? Yeah, that's right. I research on it. Um, we've got an interview. Yes, we have. Take two. What do you mean? Well, I did a couple oh, of interviews right. in Kona. Yeah. So Dimity Lee Duke, and I interviewed her in Kona, and I stuffed it up. The well, I didn't stuff it up. A new fancy machine. You stuffed, stuffed it, up. it up, John. And you stuffed it up. Anyway, I really enjoyed the interview, and so I thought oh, I'll go back with uh, cap in hand and see if she'll give us a bit more of her time. And she did, and it's a great interview on sort of a, a pro athlete who's come through the age group ranks and not necessarily winning Kona, but I'm um, just getting her her side of the story. So, uh, and she's based in Thailand, which makes it even more interesting. And she's an Aussie, so yeah, enjoyed it. Good times. We've got a few questions and answers at the end, and then that's pretty much our show, John. Just so you guys do know, we are going to be releasing the latest Legends, which we haven't done in a few months, have we? We haven't. No, but we've got a pretty good interview. We have. Siri Lindley, who's got the new book out, uh, Surfacing. Uh, if you haven't seen that, go check it out uh, on Amazon. I'm sure you can get it there or, or anywhere else. Uh, Siri Lindley, coach of Marinda Carfrey. A lot of you guys won't know probably as much about Siri as you, as you should do. She's actually a former world champion um, ITU distance athlete, but I was lucky enough to know Siri briefly before she was actually a top athlete, and it's yeah. a pretty interesting story because she came out to Christchurch and uh, and trained for just uh, one season, and I also went on a camp in Flagstaff, Arizona, and she was on that. So how long ago was that? Ninety six, ninety five, ninety six. You had a crush on her, didn't you, John? No, <laughs> read the book. Um, <laughs> and but at the time, I thought she's she's. She was very much a third tier pro, I'd oh, say, really? on the ITU distance. I was like, you're just, you know, just part of the crowd. You, you said, she's a really good runner. I thought, yeah, you're just going to be one of the crowd and never going to get anywhere. And then next thing, she's bloody world champion. Wow. And, uh, when did you win the world championship? You'll know this because you know everything. It's about two. Think of where that, it was, John. Think of where it was. That's, that's your key. It wasn't 1999 because that was Montreal. I love how you do this. Here we go. But it was, and it wasn't ninety eight because that was it must have been must have been early two thousands because but she didn't make the Olympic team 
in either 2000 or 2004. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2000 was in Australia. Here we go. I've, I've got the answer. I'm going to say maybe it was 2000 or 2001. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Edmonton. That was Edmonton. Mm. Mm. Yep, so 2001. She won a couple of World Cups in 2001, 2002. Duathlon champs in 2000. She won the Aquathon World Championships in 2001. But yet she won the World ITU World Championships. She didn't win a lot of races, did she? It was a pretty short career. Why? Uh, she was a late bloomer. Well, no, she wasn't a late bloomer. She was late into the sport. And that's why her story is really interesting. She came in, in and was just a good age gripper and then just made that transition across. That's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. That's a cool story, you know, because... Like, like you know, most people start the sport late and it's just a bit of fun, but then to go on to actually win the ITU World Championships mm. that's pretty phenomenal. No, she was uh, sensational, but yeah, short, pretty short career. So, John's going to be interviewing her tomorrow, so we'll release it probably later on this week. So, check that out as it comes out. Anyway, team, uh, let's talk about the news. So, we had a few Ironman races happening over the weekend. I'm in Barcelona. It was more that, yeah, it was more, more we're, we're catching up on results True. since we've since Kona time. So, it was actually all the way back on October 2nd, so it was even before Kona. Um, Ironman Barcelona is known as a very fast race and it didn't disappoint again. So, Patrick, Evo, uh, Patrick Nielsen took it out in 7.55.28. Wow. And that's a complete race, isn't it? Look at that. 49 minutes swim, 420 bike, 241 run for 755, 10 minute victory over Ivan Tutikin uh, from Russia in 805, and Mikhail Blanchard Tinto in third in 907. You know what's interesting about this race, Bevan? No. Nope. If you went sub nine hours, say you went 959. Okay. 859, sorry, not 959. We would have got uh, 42nd place. That's crazy, isn't it? We do see some pictures from Barcelona, and the drafting is pretty rampant on the bike. Oh, uh, don't, don't we say we see pictures from Ironman? And the yeah, this, is, this <laughs> like is true. Let's be honest, when we think about Ironman racing nowadays, it seems to be it's kind of a part of the game now. Yeah, So, but uh, fast, fast racing. On the girls' side of things, we also had a sub-9 performance, which is good to see, and it was Astrid Steenen from Deutschland in 8.54.27. Timmer victory over Elizabeth Gruber from Austria and Anna Wilkinson from South Africa. And then we also had Ironman Taiwan. Yeah, and then quite the opposite. Only we two people went sub nine. Sub, and two guys only went sub nine. So uh, we had Patrick Evo in third in 9.03, Kato Tahara in 8.56, and Pretty dominating 16-minute victory for Daniel Fontana on the guys' side of things. For the girls, we had uh, taking it out in 9.50.03, Danielle Mack, and then Xiao Yu Li from, she's from Taiwan. She came out to Christchurch and trained. She went 10-10 in second place. And Katerina Groman in third in 10.21. Just see Terenzo and uh, Hoffman won 70.3s over the weekend as well. Not not Hoffman. Terenzo took it out. Hoffman was at uh, Xterra. But oh, Xterra was it? Yeah, I was interested. Terenzo, I heard him. He was sitting two rows behind me on the flight back from Hawaii. Were well, you just being nosy neighbour, were you? I wasn't being nosy neighbour. I'm sure you weren't. <laughs> he had one of those old earpieces for the no, deaf people. I was just standing up at the end of the <laughs> end of the flight and I heard him say to somebody who was sitting next to they said, oh, where are you off to next? And he said he was off to Miami. So he won a 70.3 in Miami against a really strong field. So he, he, I think in Kona, you know, he was, I thought he was in about 
close to 10th place when oh, yeah, he pulled no, he, out. Yeah, yeah, he was. And, and the thing was, it was interesting talking to him after a race. We didn't interview him post-race, but we did have a bit of a chat just while we were kind of at the airport. And he was saying he, he felt really good, but his face, his face. Oh, you got a bee sting or something. Was yeah. that what it was? was yeah, it? yeah. Okay, and he just said that it went all funny because when no, he said he wasn't actually feeling that good, but when no, we're coming on a Leahy Drive, yeah. he was looking great. And I thought, yeah. gee, he's going to get there today. I thought, you know, like I don't know where he's going to get, but I thought top 10 at least. So it's a bit of a bugger for him, really. Yeah. Um, it also got me thinking, I was just wondering about this Island House Triathlon. I'm not sure if it's on or not. I'm just on their website. It's supposed to be on the 28th, 29th and 30th of uh, of October. But I did a brief interview with Luke McKenzie um, post his race in Kona. And there was, uh, yeah, they weren't really sure if it was going ahead because of all those typhoons and oh, stuff of course. Had, had gone through. But no, I think it's because it does. It says here, just five more days until we kick off the 2016 edition of the Island House Invitational Triathlon. Check out the race distances below. So they're going to start out with a individual time trial, 7.50 swim, 20k bike, 5k run. And then the second day they do a 7.50 swim, 5k run, 40k bike, 7.50 swim, 5k run. It's kind of a cool way of, uh, yeah. interesting way of doing it. And then day three is a sprint triathlon. So we'll have a bit more about that next week. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, John Bo, so we also had the Xterra World Championships and Hoffman got 7th there. And if we look at Keenley, he came in at 16th. And this is a difference, you know, I would do rubbish if at this race. So Keenley, as we know, is just an axe on the bike. Yeah. Whether he was going absolutely spanking it in this race or not, you would think, you know, if you're lining up, you're going to go as hard as you possibly can. But he rode 1 hour 55 compared to the top dudes who were riding 139. Oh, 139. Was the fastest wow. one. Ruben from Spain rode 139. The other guys were riding sort of, yeah, mid to high 140s. Like Ben Hoffman went uh, 151, so he was uh, still a bit down. But Brandon Curry, Brandon. Kiwi boy, got fourth. Mm. So first first place we had uh, Mauricio Mendez from Mexico in 2.49. Took it out with a really strong run, ran 42 minutes uh, over Ruben Rezafa, who lost a bit of time on the run and went two, two hours 51. And then Ben Allen from Australia was in third place. Girls, so Flora Duffy took it out. Yeah, I think it's I think it's her third in a row. So she's now the exterior champion and the ITU distance champion. I think you maybe asked me over in Kona, she could be one that would uh, would dominate the dojo over seventy point three and Ironman distance. You think because she's such an axe on the but bike? Is, is she going to? She going to be? You reckon she'll transfer over? No, I don't. No, mm. no. Uh, Leslie Patterson was in second place and Susie Snyder in third place. It's interesting, yeah, because sometimes some of those. You know, like, Hamish kind of won it, didn't he? I think he won the Extreme World Champs. I think you might be right. We certainly had Nicky Samuels. Yeah. Uh, from New Zealand, who did. Hmm. Okay, Troy Redding's done a wrap-up of Kona. Well, he's done some interesting little stuff um, on his site with, in terms of the countries where the winners come from Kona and, and in terms of pre-1996 and post-1996, quite a big shift because we had such the, the American domination through those early years with you know Mark Allen and Dave Scott. But oh, how things change once you get past 1996. And uh, USA only take out 7% since 1996. And he's also done this on wins and also podium places. Uh, so you still do okay on the podium. They've got 35% uh, up till... 1996, but then after 1996, USA is only 12%. Mm. 
Well, in, in the males since 1996, it's only 2%. Mm. So Germany do well, Australia do well, Canada do well, Switzerland, UK is starting to crank it up. So, Really, yeah. it's been the Germans and Australians, really, really isn't it? You know, we, then we look at it. Guys, for all your Kona, not all your Kona coverage, but for, for lots of interesting stuff, check out tryrating.com. Okay, Jombo, uh, the Iron Talk Gear is out, team. If you want to get some Iron Talk Gear, it's really cool. Uh, lots of people have been sending us emails and photos saying how much they love it. But also, we've got the pink option if you like a bit of pink in your life, and it could be for males or females. We're not, you know, be. just whatever works for you. If it brings out your eyes, John. That's what we look for. Yeah. Um, that is coming out when? Uh, so it's finishing off at the end of October. So you need to get your orders in now. And it's just a great way for you guys to support the show. We get lots of feedback in terms of athletes getting lots more feedback when they're out racing. And probably the big thing this time around is um, the feedback I've been a little bit surprised about is, not surprised, but people are just raving about the quality of the, the tri-suits and stuff in terms of going out there and racing and finding it extremely comfortable. So it's Champion Systems gear, so check it out on imtalk.me and there's a link through there and it all just gets delivered to your your place at home and job's good in. Okay, John, we've had craziness before, but this is the next level craziness. It is next level craziness. This right. is crazy crazy. Mm. Cray cray. That's what the young kids say, cray cray. 100 Ironmans in 100 days, Bevan. It is crazy. Well, Even what, doing 100 half Ironmans. What did Iron Cowboy? He did 50 and 50, didn't he? Yes. That's ridiculous. It is. Well, here You're, we go. Okay, so what's the story? So the story is, friend of the show as well. We have to oh. get her on. Friend of the show? Debbie Hazeldean. Yeah. Is, uh, she's doing 100. 70.3s. 70.3s in 100 days. But her t- partner, um, John, I think it's her partner, John Murgler. Careful, John. Don't, make, don't, don't start rumours. <laughs> well, they're, they're in a coaching business together, and there's lots of pictures of them together. So. Well, well, they must be together. <laughs> I don't know. The arms are around each other a lot. Let's yeah. put it that way. Okay, now, if they're around relationships, we're sorry. Yeah. We're, we're making total assumptions based on a website where you're, you're post-race, you're having a couple of hugs because yeah. <laughs> there's no kissing or anything happening, but hey. So this dude, John Murgler, is going to do 100 iron distance triathlons in 100 days uh, from 28th of january through to the 7th of may 2017 so try to get him on the show um he's he, he did epic camp before i was involved in epic camp there was, oh, only, there was only a few before i got involved i got involved in what year did we do iron man 2004 the one we did together yeah three probably 2004 oh yeah it was yeah because i came back about then so <laughs> there was a few epic camps before that i think they did maybe about 202 203 something like that yeah and he was one of the guys that was involved i think in one of the very early ones they had some uh some very interesting training stories about him just, just riding, riding around parks for out you know i think he had a job in sydney and he would just go and ride around uh the park in sydney for hours and hours or really? something like that and, and basically have his phone with him and he was just yeah just an, just an animal yeah so he's a bit of, must be a bit of a beast he's um a very well qualified athlete i think he's i think he's won his age group in uh in hawaii he's, if not he's 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 fast um but he's gonna do 100 ironmans in 100 days the big difference you know this is by no means taking the travel aspect. away is not having the travel aspect and that's all the guys that have done these big ones in the past see that's what's killed them so we had the eight and eight and eight in australia where a guy did uh, craig oh. percival did eight ironmans in eight different states in australia which sounded like a real mission uh, but and, and iron cowboy doing the same sort of deal in the states so being in one space that's going to help a lot but he's going double the distance so 
it will be interesting to see how he copes with this and well, so the, we'll try to get him on. This is ridiculous. Mm. Wow. You're just going to have to get into a groove and it's... I wonder what he'll average fit, a day. Fitness is, not gonna, isn't, fitness is never a problem with these things. You get through it's it. It's body just, management. It's just whether your feet can handle, handle, handle it every day. And your shoulders. And your ass. And sleep. Mm. Because what, you know, like if... So let's say... Because what was Iron Cowboy averaging? About 14 hours a day by the end of it, wasn't it? it was, yeah. Something around that, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours. So then you've got another seven hours to kind of get your... This guy's and this this guy's very accomplished. So maybe he may let's say for argument's sake it's twelve hours a day. You're gonna have some bad days, but don't you? Mm-hmm. Wow, this is fascinating. So he is taking it to another level. Like admittedly, Iron Cowboy had the aspect of well, travel, mm-hmm. but a hundred Ironman, hundred day. That's 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 the new that's the new bar if he does it. Good thing would be if you set up in one spot, you can have a pretty good support network there. John, is this stupid? It doesn't doesn't rock my boat in terms of actually. Oh, like you've got to respect it. Mm. But when does this kind of stuff to end? Three hundred sixty-five in a row. <laughs> well, like that. Like, oh, no. You know, like it, like, like, like. Don't don't get me wrong. I think this what this guy's doing is absolutely animal. I think um, good on him. I think God, man, I couldn't couldn't even comprehend ten Ironmen in ten days, and so I totally respect it. But when's the end point? Mm. You know, like, does this does it become three hundred sixty-five? Mm. There's people who have done marathons like every day for a year and marathons stuff, are a different. But you can, you know, mm. like it, it, don't get me wrong. I don't think I want to do a marathon every day for a year. Um, it's still pretty impressive. But I mean, you're very much you can't. That's your life. Mm. Oh, respect. In summer months, well, that's a good challenge. You do it in Australia and Sydney in summer. It's yeah. gonna be good for you. Good luck to them. You're an animal. Okay, mm. get, come on the show. We want to talk to you about it. Um, okay, Jonbo, also big news. That, uh, good old Colin the burglar. Is it the burglar? Belansky? Convict. The convict, convict. Colin the convict. Just saying, looking like Gomez won't be going to Kona next year. That's a real bummer, isn't it? There's an it? article on triathlon, triathlonmagazine.ca, so the Canadian version of that, saying he's going to still focus on uh, the, you know, the ITU series over the next year. And you could ask make, why. You know what I mean? Like it seems like an unwise decision now because he's mm. not going to the Olympics. He's not going to Tokyo. Mm. He's he is getting older. He's not. Money is not going to be an issue. He will have done very well for himself. And, and so I'm not quite sure why you'd stay there. And to be honest, he's not the guy he was. He's you know he's not going to uh, be. It, you reckon next year he's going to be a dominant character? The race needs to go his way. Yeah, if it comes down to running race between him and Mola, probably not. Um, yeah, it all just comes down to that injury, and maybe he's just felt he's got just a teensy bit of unfinished business. Um, but without after, the Olympics, mm, what is it? No, I, I do agree. I think it's 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 a bit weird. But it's, it's just a pity because imagine if he turned up to Kona next year. How? And when I first got this article, Colin sent it through, and I kind of quickly just a quick read, and I didn't actually read it. And I thought I thought he was saying, "Oh, Gomez is going to be." And I was like, "Yes, this is going to be awesome, Kona next year." Mm. And then I went back and read. It, and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> So it sounds like what he plans to do, and he, plans may change. He may have a, a change of heart. Uh, he was going to race the ITU series. Wasn't sure about seventy point three worlds because that was clash or very close to the ITU grand finale. And then sort of thinking maybe an end of season um, Ironman to try to sort of tick, you know, not necessarily tick the box. He'll need to accumulate some points, but get things rolling. If he does ITU, if he does seventy point three worlds, then he'll crank up lots of points. He'll probably only need to do one Ironman. Um, but yeah, 
the thing is, like, because, you know, as we get older, legacy becomes important. Mm. For him to have another year in this, he's 33 now. So, admittedly, he can still come over to Kona and mm. still be pretty dominant after next year. So, 2018 onwards, he's still got some good years in front of him. But when we think of his legacy, the fact that he hasn't won the Olympics doesn't help his legacy a lot. He's been one of the greatest triathletes of our era, but the Olympics, that's the one kind of chink in his armour. If he mm. came and won Kona now, that helps his legacy a, a lot, doesn't times. it? Another year in ITU, what does that do for his legacy? Mm. You know, and... You know, and, and 33 is still young enough to come in over and have a few good years in Kona. Mm. But at the same time, you want to get there now, not wait until, you know, till you're 35. Yeah. So if you're listening, go means listen go, to Bevan. Sneak out a, a nice early season Ironman. Give yourself the options. Yeah, exactly. Just pop one out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what would he need to do? Because he'd, he'd probably do well at some. He'd do, get some good 70.3 points. He'd just I, do one Ironman, eh? It, it, if, he'd need to do a championship one to get in with, with one performance. So if he was going to do, uh, you know, like an Ironman Maserati or, or something like that. If he went to South Africa. Come on, Gomez. You know I, you want to. Those I, guys that are that good, ITU distance guys, I don't think we need to do that much training to have a pretty good result. Do you think you know, he's afraid? He's got so many... So I don't think he's afraid. He's got so <laughs> no. much base under him that if he went to South Africa, did like a month of really, maybe two months of really good long bike training, which would probably set him up pretty nicely for the ITU season. Um, pop I'd out say he could man. pop out a pretty decent performance. Come on, Gomez. Yeah. Imagine next year. Imagine next year in Kona. Oh, if Gomez was there. If Gomez and Brownlee are there, we're there, Bevan. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> if they turn up, we'll be changing our plans. Yeah. It's not biannually, it's annually. Yeah. So, okay, well, in that case, Gomez don't go for two years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, John, but we got an email through from, I can't remember who sent this through, but it was a very, have you got the email from the person? I have not, no. no. I'll actually try to find it. But, John, basically what's happening now, and we've all known the trick of the trade, when you basically finish your race, pretend you're as sick as you possibly can be, and pretend you're going to die. Why, John? So you can get yourself an IV drip. Well, they've kind of they've tapped into this, John, and there's been a company called Infuse, and now you can actually get a pre- or post-race IV infusion for only $40. Which seems ridiculously cheap. When this, when we got this picture sent through, so this was around uh, Ironman 70.3 Arizona, which was on a few weeks ago, and, uh, and somebody sent through this picture of yeah, an advertisement for this clearly somewhere around in Arizona, and I was trying to find a bit more information about this, and I because it said an Ironman triathlete special, and I'm pretty positive, and I'm pretty hopeful that Ironman won't actually be having them on board as a, a sponsor or endorsement. It's right on that fine line of pretty dodginess, I think, but yeah, you can go and get a pre or post race IV drip for forty bucks, and uh, it wasn't just a saline drip; you could get pretty much any sort of cocktail, not performance enhancing drugs, maybe they do have that stuff in the, available as well, but um, really just getting, you know, or different electrolytes or different micronutrients you could get uh, infused in pre or post race. And it just seemed odd to me. B12, that MIC, vitamin D, mm. um, Toleridol or something. And it just the, 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 their website, they had a, a just picture of, a room of happy people just sitting there with IV drips in their arms. I was just thinking. Is it before the race bed? It's a funny one, isn't it? You know, because is that performance enhancing? You've got to be, you got to be careful with some of those micronutrients <coughs> in terms of uh, overloading. And, and what, you, in theory, you think, oh, that might be really good for me. But in that, you know, some of my study, you're going, oh, you got to be really careful by dosing up big time on certain different micronutrients. But so, in saying look, that, John, if you're doing an Ironman, if if you have a drip. 
a post-race, mate, that, that is great, great recovery. But where does that sort of, uh, where, where does that line sit as to, you know, getting it pre-race and post-race in terms of, yeah, it's just, it's an odd one. And I don't know. I, I a lot of us take supplements. So, yeah, it's just another form of supplementation. It's just how you're putting it in, isn't it? It is, but I don't know doesn't sit right with me but in saying that so many people want it post-race so i have to admit maybe i wouldn't think about doing it Mm post-race you know if it means i get recovered quicker for Mm -hmm. 40 bucks alistair horbiden horbin who's sent it through so thanks ellie if anybody so if anybody was down at 70.3 arizona let us know if there was much of a um hoopla about this and whether people were up in arms or whether it was just oh yeah Go get that done. <laughs> Have you seen the photo they've got? The photo is the guy's riding with the IV in his hand. Mm. <laughs> it's cold. He's got the drip in his arm and he's got the IV racing along. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how you do it. Take the IV on the course with you. Yeah. On the run. <laughs> you've you got one of those kind of things you carry along. Well, I don't actually know. Again, if someone out there knows the rules and stuff around this, I'd be interested to know. Yeah, yeah. Good on them. <laughs> I suppose it's just a business, isn't it? Mm. Okay, John's sponsor. Athlinks.com. Do you know, Bevan, you should be, you should still be famous. Well, I, I kind of hope I am. So I went on to Athlinks, and I, what, I, what I'm going to do on Athlinks, I'm going to uh, challenge road coming up. Yes. And we're going to be over there. And is it any more camp slots or is it? We might have one more. So luckily, last, I just did, did have an email through this morning, but we might have uh, maybe one more when, spot. When does it close off? Um, as soon as it's full, but we have to have our entries in by in the next few weeks. Okay, guys. So if you are thinking about it, you'll regret it if you don't do it. You know, because you're going to hear us next year and wrote. And if you're someone who's thinking, oh, maybe I can do this, and you think, oh no, it's like when I was younger, John Radiohead went to Wellington, <laughs> and I thought to myself, I should go because I'm my favourite band at the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh no, and my mates went up. To this day, I regret not going to Radiohead in Wellington. Yeah. And don't be that person with Roach, John. Yeah. Don't be it. And so that way, you can go to Roach. You'll be an amazing experience with the crew. You have the amazing race. It's, it's, let's be honest. It's probably the best race in the world. Kona's the best race because of what it is. History, the mystique. And yeah, but, as in, but is it, is it actually doing a race? It's, it's not the rough, race. It's a rough day at the office. Whereas Roach is just this amazing race experience. So for the athlete, it's pretty bloody awesome. So... Get on now. Get in, get in contact with us. You can just email us at um, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. And so I went on to Athlinks, chugged in, chugged in Challenge Road, and I'm going to put in, you, you can put in add a year, and you can add in 2017, you can put in your predictions and stuff, so I'm going to get onto that. But um, when I pulled up the 2016 results, I'm still in awe of, uh, transition? of Jan Fredino's, oh. yeah, Jan Fredino's <laughs> okay. time. It's coming to the transition. So this year he went 7.35, 39, swam 45, biked 408, and ran 239 for 7.35. It's just the most amazing triathlete performance, isn't it? Mm. Like everything about that rocks. Joe Skipper ran quicker, 2.38. Yeah, but he didn't ride and run, swim. No, he ran 4.21 and, and swam 52, but he still went 7.56. But the thing but, about Frodo's performance, which is absolutely phenomenal, solo day. Mm. Solo day. And this is where we, we often go back to Kona and we go, oh, why aren't they getting any faster? Why aren't they getting faster? The athletes are getting significantly faster, just not at Kona, largely because of the the bike dynamics and, and what have you. But and also they are like I think if we if, if yeah okay Dawson here's one for you. If we look at the average speeds and times, they're closer to that top end all the time nowadays. Mm. You know what I mean? Like back in the old day, one guy would do really well, mm. and you know the rest were you know back in the old days it was more the eight twenty was the average, mm. whereas well 
Dawson, do your homework on this one. But, you know, nowadays, uh, you're finding that they're, they're closer to the, the lower eight, if you know what I mean. So I do think they're getting faster. They're just not quite cracking and that the, sub eight yet. The depth in terms of the top ten will be a hell of a lot closer yeah. now. Um, yeah. But no, uh, so Jan Verdino took it out. But Bevan, he only did 118 in transition to... Oh, disappointing. Mm. 59 seconds. I'm amazed when I interviewed him post-race, he didn't ask me, yeah. how do you improve on your transition, Bevan? Because yes. you are a rocket. What do I do, 40-something seconds? And no? I think you did 59. Yeah, see? Yeah, nobody's, cr- nobody's cracked the minute here. Sub-minute, you know, that's your goal. That's mm. your goal. If you, if you can achieve one thing in road next yeah. year, what is the goal for your road? Oh, sub-nine. You should do sub-nine, shouldn't you? Did you do f- so. 8.40-something last time? No, 8.51 on an average day. I'm a bit older than last time. That was... It'll be 10 years ago by the time we get there. Eight, John, nine, John. So Don't who would sub nine get me this year? So we, we did that. So we had, uh, was it Barcelona? Yep. Barcelona had to get 40, I think it was 40 seconds. I think when I did 905, I did 40, I got 40 second when I did 905. 40, 43rd, 859, yeah. 27. Anya Baranek, who was top five in Prona, kind of this year, went nine hours and 20 seconds. First, uh, Arnold Sulikov went, 8.56, got to beat that, can't have that. There you go. I'll be, Arnold be racing now just because you're turning up. Paul Lunn went 8 hours 50, 53, another listener of the show. You become the carrot for all the listeners who are of, of our ability. There you go. Like when Kona, in Kona, when I was interviewing post-race with just some of the age groupers, when you race, everyone goes, did I beat John? That's <laughs> <laughs> what everyone asked me. <laughs> Bob, 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 a lot of people did. Bob Race from Penrith, Newcastle, Australia, was the first athletics finisher in 8.47. Shirley Robson came in and she goes, did I beat John? Probably did. <laughs> so I guess my point is... Um, um, for me, going on here, you can lay down a bit of smack talk for next year onto athlinks.com, but also it's just a really good reference point. You can get all your information in one spot. Daniela Reef got ninth place, oh, eight twenty two oh four. Well, John, she's a rock star. That's why she is a rock star. It's impressive. Okay, John, discussion of it. John's going to do a bit of a rant in a second. So first of all, we're going to talk about Kona picks. So we were just one thing we chucked on uh, people was who are going to be thirty third, and this comes from a history of years ago on the podcast. One year, mm. John read a question wrong, didn't you? I think you read a question wrong. You said who's going to be thirty third, and I said Luke McKenzie, and he did, and I got it right. Yeah, and then every year afterwards, you've never got it right, but yeah. but once you did, and so we have a tradition of asking who's going to get thirty third, and it was actually Michael Weiss. Michael Weiss, who was leading on the bike and got a little bit chastised by some of the other athletes post race for just being a knucklehead and going to the front of the bike and just smashing it down and then uh, trying to get his new di- fancy diamond back on on TV, which he was successfully successfully did. So it's good Ken Lay was gold in the, in the media conference. If you didn't listen to it, we did put it up. But Ken Lay goes, someone asked, why didn't you go to the front more? And he goes, well, I wasn't trying to get my sponsor's bike on TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Michael Weiss was 33rd. Nobody, nobody picked that. A lot of people got the first two guys and the first two girls right. Um, but nobody, from what I could see on our Facebook page, got the, the clean sweep in terms of the guys, certainly. A lot of good people got close with the girls, but lots of people had Frodo, Keenlay or Keenlay Frodo in that order. Yeah. Um, but nobody that I could see had Patrick Lang in there so fantastic oh, he was a him. real bolter wasn't he and lots of people had the girls again uh, had Reef and Rinnie either first and second in, in one order or the other and a few people did pick um, Heather Jackson so Andy Heath he had he, he he was probably almost closest he had Frodo Keenlay and Potts and then he had Reef Jackson and Rinnie so he had the right
white females just in the wrong order. And Adrian Ford had Fredino, Keenlay and Skipper and Rinny, Reef, and Jackson. So still didn't quite get the girls right. Um, and Rob Cummins also said, check out Irish age grouper Brian McChrystal, currently outsplitting all the pros. I reckon he's chasing a bicycle bike course record. He did actually go 429 on the bike, which was... He was the one... No, we were out in the course. You, you said to me, I, yeah. Yeah, it, it, this guy takes off on the... And I said, that's an age grouper. And then like two days later, <laughs> the next age grouper turns up. He was miles ahead. Mm. It was unbelievable. He ran a 335, so it's not terrible. No. Um, and I think he finished 12th in his age group. But yeah, 429 for the age groupers. When the, what, were the, what were the top pros doing? Uh, the fastest, I think, was 423. Wow. But I think Fredino rode 429 as well. Okay. So same, same as Fredino. But yeah, that dude, um, yeah, he would have had probably... 15 minutes or so on the next guys I would have thought yeah it was it was it was massive because mm. it literally he went by and then you you know it's like you're gossiping to people and, and then it's like mm. when's the next when's the next age group coming it was mm. unbelievable okay John you want to have a rant this isn't really to do with anything to do with this discussion <laughs> well no it, it is I, I put up a another discussion this, I put it up yesterday or the day before oh did you onto Athlinks I, I said I said I said what did I say I said, I said I said I said simple question should the age group race in Kona go to wave starts given the drafting issues. You just basically wanted to have a rent, so you put it up as yeah. a question, didn't so you? So I can belittle anybody that says no. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so what do some people say? Uh, Tony up. Hodge, reluctantly, yes. While I'd prefer to return to a true mass start, which we probably no longer have, and drafting being much better policed, it's probably not realistic. Better to send age groups out in waves so at least they know their relative position in their own age group. Gary Fegan, yes, oldest and legacy first and pros last. You have a sliding cutoff with 17 hours for the first wave, decreasing to pro men having 9 hours and pro women 10 hours. That would be interesting for the pros having a cutoff time. Oh, wow. That, that would never happen, but saying, if you go to sub 9, you're off the course. See you later. Lucy France has got no, but they should have these chevrons on the road to show draft zones between two riders. Get caught inside one of these, get a penalty. Referee should also carry a uh, go carry a GoPro to have a visual reference for infractions. So basically what she's got is kind of the road should be laned. And they've got these little arrows all the way along yeah. the road. They're not going to do that no, for 180 k no, so. pretty expensive. But the... Um, the GoPro's an interesting... That is a good idea, isn't it? But it's the referee's decision is final anyway, but at least it'd give you a little bit of proof, but then you're going to have oh, seven imagine hours... The, imagine the hassle after the rest of your yeah. life. Yeah. Good old uh, Julian... Mm, Galen, maybe? Um, yes, and if not, marshals should uh, apply an extreme severe drafting rule today. You have a lot of uh, solution to reinforce drafting regulation it's just a question of will. Yeah, but the problem is it's unfair. That's the problem to me is that sure the drafting busters should be busting people. But if you're in that kind of in a cone of probably 10 hour to 12 hour mark, everyone can be done. Mm, absolutely. You know, like so it's, yeah. Um, Jeff, I'm sorry, Jeff, I'm going to get your surname wrong. Uh, Fedfar, the crowds on the bike course are the only thing I'm not looking forward to next year. Jeff's already qualified. With the fields becoming so tight, tons of age groupers all swimming relatively similar times, then just everyone on the aero bar, but bikes having this ability to ride relatively similar speeds, it just equals too much congestion with the current format. I think going to, um, going to a two-day format, men and women on Saturday and the others on Sunday, is the best solution. 
that's not going to happen in Kona. Um, then wave starts like pros at 6.25, 24 and under at 6.40, and then sort of going at um, you know 10, 10 minute increments after that. This would give the women's field a much truer race. It would also spread out a good amount of athletes across the course, still won't stop people drafting intentionally, um, but it will stop much of the unintentional drafting. I know that just about everyone except the super uber bikers get caught up in some, at some point even trying to avoid it. I would agree with that in Kona, those strong cyclists can ride through all the packs and carry on with their, their day. It's sort of the guys, yeah. you know, the fifth through through 20th in the age groups or, or even further, further back than that, they're the ones who are... M- it's more advantage. similar ability on the bike and you can't, can't just ride through and ride away. But also get the advantage of drafting. Mm. Um, just interesting, Phil Whitehead and, uh, Whitehead and Matthew Binns are basically saying, well, Phil Whitehead's got not to after 2017, have already spoiled it by not having, uh, by pro ways, but please let me experience my first big show. And so, and Matthew Binns is saying th- the same thing, saying yes is the obvious answer, but my answer is no, a mass starter is the only way in Hawaii. So they're saying, well, yep, I get it but I want to be a part of the mass start. Mm. And I kind of get that as well. Oh, abs- I absolutely get the mass start. Yeah. Um, guys that have been in there, like Arnold Sulikov, yes, absolutely. Math is saying 1,000 competitors equal the you know, exit the water in t- in within 10 minutes. 1,000 guys spread uh, 12 metres is 12 kilometres uh, and just goes on with a bunch of stats saying it's just there's just too many people on the course. Tony Morrison just says no. Sanya. And so does a good old Annette Lee. Simon Early. All your supporters, mate, they've been not backing you on this Simon one. Simon Early was just over there <laughs> on the lovely lady Camby got home today. No, it's all part of the race. Less people is the way to go. Well, that ain't happening either. <laughs> okay, John. Okay, ba bomb. It's like your rant. This is not going to be a rant. This is going to be a campaign. A, a concert- campaign? Oh, okay. A concerted effort. Okay. Make, make, well, make the Ironman swim great again. Here yeah. we go. Now, there's a couple of things, because oh, I was doing some thinking about this yesterday, there's a couple of things you've got to consider about this, you can't just go, oh we're going to go to wave starts, because one of the problems in Kona is you get in the steps by Digby Beach, and you get out of the steps of Digby Beach. Yep. So you're really, it's a, it's, it's a funnel point isn't it? Yeah, so you can't just have people going in one hour afterwards, because there'll be people um, exiting, exiting the swim, and we almost saw this year, now I, can't, I don't know if we've discussed this on the show yet or not, but you would have noticed this year in the swim, the times were quicker, and the swim conditions were um, were not that great. They were quite choppy. I was complaining. We were standing. We normally sit on the side of the pier. Mm. I was complaining we couldn't sit down because oh, our feet were getting splashed. Uh, feet were getting oh splashed. Oh, it was hard. Oh, us. <laughs> and, um, so the conditions were rough. Yet the times were were um, were quicker. And apparently they'd actually moved the swim course this year. There's apparently there's a couple of concrete blocks where they go and put the swim turnarounds. And apparently they got them moved this year. And the swim was actually shorter than what it has been in previous years. Is it I, accurate? I, I think it's gone to accurate where in the oh, past maybe really? it wasn't anyway okay. it was slightly different that's why the times were quicker um, but you notice when the pro men were coming in from the swim they almost came, swam straight into the uh, age group women's starting there was only yeah, it was too, wasn't maybe it? a hundred yeah. metres or so because they were you know a couple of minutes up on the schedule so that's the first thing they need to change if you were going to go to wave starts and this is what I'm promoting and I'm going to campaign pretty hard on this because I don't think there's enough been said about it he's actually already started making posters mm-hmm. he's, he's, if you were a driver in Christchurch right now you yeah. see these posters everywhere you don't see the House of Travel Triathlon <laughs> Festival coming up on November no, the 27th no, you see make the swim great again <laughs> You, you, what you've got to do, you're going to have to do, is you're going to have to reverse the direction of the uh, of the swim. So in Hawaii, there's a little beach um, 
by the hotel. So you basically have Digby Beach to the left. If you're looking out towards this one, you've got Digby Beach to the left, then you've got the pier, and then to the right of the pier, you've got, it's, it's probably, what, maybe 50 metres wide? Yeah, it's not it's, a big it's, beach. It's not a wide beach, um, but it'll be big enough for this kind of transition. And it'll be a, a big enough area for holding space, because you got you can't have everybody standing around and transition either, so that could kind of be holding space. So you'd swim out on that little beach there to your starting point, which is apparently what they do in that, pre-race swim they do the weekend before as well yep swim out there to the starting line and you start off in waves so the swim would change to being uh from clockwise to being a counterclockwise swim so you'd still exit at the same point on digme beach and uh and run up onto the pier so that would be the first thing you need to do is actually change the swim course direction one of the big challenges that they get with wave starts as well is athletes getting swum over so yeah, totally, because you've got the faster athletes from the field to start behind, mm. and they smash the people who are in front of them. But that happens a lot of other oh, races. Just deal with it is the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, like the 70.3 worlds, they do wave starts when Build we a bridge. ITU worlds in Auckland and stuff. They've had wave starts with 70.3 champs in Auckland. They're you were bashing starts. people, weren't you? You do swim over the top people. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no avoiding it. But if you, if you make those gaps big enough, then... So what's the big enough gap? Well, hold on. Here we go. Further in my research, people go on about the cutoffs. Uh, you're going to make the cutoffs. You know, what about all the people that do that? I did a quick count up yesterday, and there was only about 50 athletes who were over 16 hours. So between 16 and 17 hours. So bugger them. Not saying bugger them. <laughs> I've got another solution okay, for them. Okay, here we go. Okay, and and I did my high level research while you were sleeping away in bed. Um, when. At Nkona on race day, I went down and saw some of those late finishes. Oh, that's right. You had a good I went down yeah. there. I was working. I didn't finish till about 11. <laughs> of the people that I interviewed that were after 16, granted I only probably have a sample size of maybe 10, 10 or so there, uh, almost no, all of them were either old or they were legacy athletes or they were lottery athletes. So they shouldn't be there? No. That's the demographic of the people that I spoke to there. I'll come back to that in a moment. Okay. So here's we'll the, here's it. what the schedule is going to be. Park it. Remember it. We'll yep. Come back to it. The oldies, the legacies, and the slowies. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so the pros, I think the system they've got at the moment seems to work quite well. You have the pro guys starting at I think it was six twenty-five, and I think the girls started ten minutes after them at six thirty-five. Yep. One minute after the pro girls, then you have the option of no, you have. The oldies, and I'm by oldies, I'm saying probably over 60s. Wow, so wait a second. You want to smash the old people? No. Give, <laughs> you give them the full allotment of time because they're the people that are going to struggle with a 17-hour cutoff. So you have to say the, the pro guys at 6.25 and I think the pro girls, I think, went at 6.35, 6.36 or some sort of yeah, number around that then. You have the oldies. And the legacy and lottery athletes have the option of joining into that wave as well if they want to, because they're going to be the ones again that might struggle with a cutoff. So I'm all in for the legacy. Yeah, if you go in that entry, you're not allowed to be a, a competitor, although you're probably not going to be in those ways. No, so it's optional if you're worried about the cutoff. Okay. Except for the oldies. Because you might get some schmuck who goes, oh, here's my opportunity to do really well. Mm. So that's that's the strategy, and then after that, then you'd start the waves at uh, say six fifty-five, which I think was when the men started. I do this have year. a problem with this, John? Hold on, wait, and then then you'd have fifteen-minute wave starts after that. Wouldn't wouldn't do five-year age groups. You'd go under thirties, say at six fifty-five, and so under thirties. I'm just going to pluck a number out here. There might be 
three or four hundred in that way, maybe, maybe something. And like females that. and males together? No, males, and then you go thirty to forty, which is going to be your biggest age bracket. And again, you might have four hundred in that wave, uh, and then you go forty to fifty, uh, seven twenty-five, seven forty. You'd have fifty plus men plus the f- the younger females under thirty. And so again, I'm thinking wave size of maybe four hundred, and then at seven fifty-five, you'd have probably the rest rest of the women. So, so then, so, so those women have gaps. sixteen hours. Uh, they would, yes, in five minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so generous of you. <laughs> so that was just a, yeah, so that would be one, two, three, four, five age group waves, uh, starting at 50, 6.55. Everyone's what underway. the race at six? Sorry? Well, it's not light enough. Oh, is it not? It's dark. So I think 6.25 was, uh, it's still... Is it not light enough? Not really. You think how long we were sitting on the pier before the start? It's pretty hard to. So it's easy enough when you when you're at that sort of elevation, but to see swim buoys and stuff any darker than that, it's a bit of a challenge. Okay, so there you have it. That's the solution. Not there there are some weaknesses in your solution. Hold on, but firstly, so a as has been pointed out, you're not going to eliminate drafting because you've got a lot of competitive guys coming out. But you're going to lessen the problem, and the roads are big enough over there that. I think you'd be able to have a, a good fair race. Uh, and secondly, the swim would spread out a lot more because you're not going to have those massive packs. So I think, yeah, yes, you're going to have more space on the road, but the swim's going to get spread out as more. So it's a, go- it's a gold solution. Except it sucks you don't have the mass start. The mass start's cool for if, you, if you're in there. It's cool for the spectators. It's cool for the TV. Get all that. It's wicked. But the bike is just a joke now. Well, so two faults I see. Mm. I while I like the idea of letting the oldies and, and the legacies and lotteries leave that you know twenty minutes earlier basically than everyone else, they are going to get smashed in the last part of that run. And and if anyone's oh, the last part of the run. swim, sorry, you, you know like because these people are going to be swimming over two hours, and then they're going to get those fast swimmers coming through. And if anyone can't handle that, it's the, that group of people. Mm-hmm. So I do, that's my concern there. Um, then uh, the only other concern is that the people who actually, you know, only makes it race 16 hours long. And let's be honest, some of the females, 16 hours would be a big cutoff for them. So there's, there, there's, there's some weaknesses. Although absolutely there's, a weakness, there's weaknesses there. The other concern I've got is when you're out on the bike, um, you're going through aid stations and you're passing slower people and, uh, and the problems that would cause. You know, you're going pretty quickly, get someone slow, you're going through an aid station trying to get drink bottles. You know, I foresee that being a problem as well. But... Yeah, it's not, it's not a perfect solution, but I think this is You feel be this is better than what we have currently? Mm. Something along this, like this was a... Your campaign, you, you're not like Donald Trump, but are you? You're open to change. Open to change. You're open to say, <laughs> you're open to say look, I'm willing to tweak this. It's yes. not to say, hey, I have the greatest people who have designed this. It's, it's, okay, okay, there we go. I don't, yeah. You could, I, I agree that having the oldies going first would be a problem. I don't think you can really go much past midnight, though, in terms of saying, yeah, oh, no, start, no, start them at eight last... And then you'd be going till like two in the morning. Or yeah, no, like no, that. no. That's the biggest problem to me because also those and the females, you know, missing out on that cutoff time. Um, it's just a pity it's not lighter. It's just yeah. it's the only downfall because uh, I don't think you can put them in with pair fast people coming up behind them. They'd be mm. crapping themselves, mm. you know. And they're pretty, you know, just getting through the swim's the mission. And the nice thing from those guys is normally everyone takes off and they just work through their swim instead of having to deal with the kind of busyness of the swim. And I so. just. I cannot envisage ever them having a two-day race in Hawaii. Well, it's interesting. I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I. 
70.3, get it. Yeah, and I think Fold. it's a different beast. The next day is just nobody's – just, everybody's just vegetating. And, uh, yeah, I just do not think it will work. Okay. John, we've got a really good question through from Steve Morris. Okay, so do you want, to, do you want people to share their thoughts on this? Um, or we'll start, help the campaign, campaign? Help the campaign. We'll start a Facebook group or something like yeah, that. Yeah. In that case, it would definitely happen. It was like, no, I, I, I like Sato when he brought his campaign to buy Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but no, I'll, I'll try to get Jimmy Riccatello or someone on, on there to maybe discuss this and okay. see if they've got different solutions because it is ridiculous out there. And I've read you know, a number of race reports from this year and guys are riding along and they just they just get swamped by groups. And you just, you just, you're sitting up and you are literally freewheeling going, what the hell am I supposed to do here? Well, I it's think maybe the better question is, wide. Or another question, not a better question, but another question is, how much of an uproar would there be if they brought out a wave start? You know, because like years ago, there was no wave starts and then they started to introduce them and it was a little bit, oh, I'm not sure if we like this. And then evidence shows that actually people were kind of liking it. So how much of a rejection, and now when we look at our kind of our scientific study that we put on Facebook this week, yeah. it's a bit of a 50-50 split. Some people want a bit more traditionalist, some people are like, no, let's go with it. It'll be interesting to see, because they are willing to do this elsewhere. Mm -hmm. so why would they not be willing to do it here and is it just purely because of the uproar or is it just tradition or is it just not a way to make it work although John Newsom's found the solution I'm not just going to complain and not come up with a solution I've got he's ideas not, yeah, he's not just a problem he's I'm, not a whinger I'm not, I'm, not, I, I, I'm, I'm not entirely happy about this next our discussion for this week but I, I know that you probably really want to go with it well I, don't, I, I think it's a little bit unfair to point your finger at one person but I do think it's an interesting question Steve Morris has just got if, if triathlon was a mainstream sport, um, basically the question is, if triathlon was more mainstream sport, do you think performances like reefs would be being questioned? In other sports, as soon as someone dominates the way that she did in Kona, would their performance be questioned? What do you boys think? And uh, let's put it out there, I don't think reefs are reefs a chance. Absolutely not. Not at all. But she did win by 20 minutes. Mm. You know what I mean? And I do think that in other sports, well, let's make this discussion. Well, and, and Chrissy got stuff thrown at her as well when she was dominating in similar sort of fashion. So should we be more suspicious of our top pros when they do dominating performances? Mm. Okay, yeah. And let's not point the finger at Reef because, again, I don't think it's a drug treat and I don't think many people would think that. But... Mm. 20 minutes to the World Championship is pretty dominant, isn't it? Crushing. That's pretty impressive. Okay, John. I'm, oh, they, we're using this and now putting music in. Oh, Bevan. Bevan's oh. tried to go the easy option. Well, no, I think it does better sound. Okay. Well, maybe you could post-edit this right, oh. down, right down the okay. time. I'll pause. I'll pause. I'll pause. I'll stop and then I'll come back in. Okay. Okay. Okay, hopefully this is a recording. <laughs> the numbers counting, eh? That's what you needed. But Good. Pre previously, you used to push the button and then. Great podcasting. Well, well, we're trying a new system team, and um, hopefully the music comes. Hopefully we've got a show. Jeez, I hate to think we've done all this and we haven't got a show. Now I'm starting to crap myself. <laughs> Let me just quit checking here. This and there. Yeah, that's in there, okay, good. Fingers crossed we've got a show, John. Um, website of the week, Jonbo. Oh, website of the week. This is a good one. Relive.cc. John, you've got to give the people the credit. That's, people will send stuff in. If you, you say the name on the show, they love it. Sorry, I apologise. Okay, I'm going to find it. I'm going to do my job. I, I think I can find it quicker than you. But you, you, you carry on. So relive.cc. What this is, 
is you need to have a Strava account to, to make this work. And what happens, you go out, you do your training session, it gets uploaded to, to Strava, and then Strava sends a message to these guys that are running this relive.cc. And what it does, it then does a sort of a Google Earth flyover of the bike ride that you've done, or the run that you've, I think it's only bike rides actually, uh, that you've done, which is, is really cool, but it also does like a Tour de France style preview of you know, a line covering the route that you did. It also shows you, it has a little, um, so uh, awesome. a little profile up the top showing where the hills are. And then it shows you the uh, you know, your points where you hit your maximum power output and your maximum speed. Uh, so it's very cool. And it just does it automatically. I mean, it does, does it for every single ride because it's just an auto-sync thing. You can't choose which rides you want to do. You can't also do it retrospectively. So if you're thinking, oh, I did this really cool ride in France two years ago, I want to do that. It basically just does it as you work your way through your um, through your rides. So yeah, it's called relive.cc. You go onto their website, you link up your your Strava account, and you're away laughing, and it's uh, cool. So I've actually got one here. Maybe we'll put this one on the website, which was from uh, one of our new patrons, Finn Zweiger, and Finn was giving us crap, thinking we weren't going to be able to pronounce his surname, and I've probably completely cocked that up as well he didn't give us this you've just used his email haven't you i am yeah yeah uh so he went over and he did the 70.3 over in hefe or hefe in china which was on recently it was one of those races where they had um lots of kona slots you know they put kona slots on a lot of these 70.3s in china and we're saying hey that's a bit uh bit unfair but he's done that and it just does this amazing flyover over the course it shows exactly where in china he went um that's pretty cool so at least spore Who's who sent it through? Right. And uh, he, I've just looked at his one here. He did a 146k bike ride, <clears throat> moving time 538, elevation uh, 1274. And but one thing he also did in his is he must have taken some photos along the way. And if you take photos, it can attach photos to the ride. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. So he had a photo of his mates, and they obviously stopped for a, a bit of cake on the side. Yeah. And uh, just saying, there's sugar in that, Lee. Sharpen up. And uh, <clears throat> and so he had a photo of the cake as well. So oh, it's I actually didn't know you could do that. yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. So if you are on Strava. And uh, yeah, make sure you get onto it, team. It's just a really cool tool. Just I'm, kind of memorable tool. Yeah, and I'm just watching um, this one from China, and it's just great. It's just got the little. Yeah, if you can picture, you're watching an ITU race, and they do that sort of pre-race preview where they have the line showing this is where the course does. That's basically exactly what it does. Uh, very cool. Yeah. Relive dot. CC and just a little bit of a plug here for um, uh, that Finn gave us. He said he went along to the the seventy point three over there in China, and predictably many had the same thought as him of going to try to get the Kona slot through the sort of the, the seventy point three backdoor entrance yeah. at this race. And the competitor com- competition oh, backdoor was entrance pretty <laughs> brutal. There wasn't a single Kona roll down slot. Everybody was there for their slots. Ironman put up a great uh, show, and the new out for the new. Owners in turn in China, the Wanda Sports did not disappoint in a very well organised race. And also, a further plug for um, Finn because he qualified for Kona. Um, maybe put this link on the, on the website. Maybe like that. an infograph of, of the kind of the, what it took for him to get to Kona. And there was some cool little stats there in terms of all the equipment that he used, uh, in terms of the power output that he was required to qualify with. So he's been doing a five year journey to the 2017 Ironman World Championships. Um, 
and what was he doing? He had an endless pool. He bought two bikes. It cost him three swimsuits, four watches. Jeez, he must go through his watches. Yeah. <laughs> FTP, uh, 15 shoes. He had to get his FTP up to 300 watts. He did 3,500 hours of training. Um, average heart rate during exercise 108, uh, 378,000 beats. I think that might have been through his. Uh, Exercise, resting heart rate 36. He's got a little link there to his um, performance management chart from from uh, Training Peaks, and he did five full, seven halves, six Olympics, and seven sprints, uh, and he finished in sixth place in his age group in the 45 to 49. It's quite a few slots. Yeah, it really is, not it? In a 70.3, yeah. and. Uh, and four hours twenty eight, and it didn't roll down neither, did it? No. Yeah, that, that is quite a few slots. Swam twenty nine, rode two twenty one, and ran a one twenty nine forty one. Normalized power of two sixty watts. That's what it takes for a forty five to forty nine year male in a seventy point three race to get six and qualify. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so there you go. So well done, Finn. Okay, John, we've got an interview. Dimitri Lee Duke. You'll get a little intro when she comes on. Here we go. Righty-ho, guys. Um, there's a reason why uh, I do a lot of the organising of the interviews and uh, and a lot of the organisation around the show, and Bevan does a lot of the recording and the editing is because I sometimes manage to cock it up, and that's what I did over in Kona. Did a really good interview with uh, Dimity Lee Duke, and uh, unfortunately it didn't record properly at the time. So we're doing it. She's kindly giving up some time to, to rehash over some of the stuff that we went through because I enjoyed it, and I thought you guys would as well. So welcome along to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate no it. worries. So Dimity's um, podiumed at Ironman Australia. Uh, she's been on the podium at 70.3s in Taiwan, Subic Bay. Um, but just t- tell us a bit about your background because you're living in Thailand, but uh, but you're an Aussie. Yeah, that's right. Um, so basically triathlon um, is, a, I would guess, in, in some people's terms, a fairly new sport to me. Um, I didn't start late um, until 2008. Um, prior to that, obviously living in Australia, I was brought up um, playing basketball at a state and national level and um, played basketball until I was 23. And then um, when I was 16, I tore my anterior cruciate ligament at the um, Australian Nationals, um, which at that point in time I was being scouted to play, um, well, to, to go into the Institute of Sport or to go to um, America for some scholarships. Um, and so basically that uh, during that time I you know, obviously got into swimming and biking and things like that for rehab, um, always been a runner. Um, and then, yeah, over time I got a bit sick of playing basketball, um, got a bit more injured and then uh, got into motorbike racing, um, which – People would say, well, why did you do that? Because you probably get more injured doing that. But I didn't. Um, and luckily, I uh, got some national national representation there and um, pro racing and won some state titles. And during my motorbike racing, I actually um, I, I found triathlon purely because motorbike racing in Australia is really a winter sport. So I found something to do. Um, in my summer months and just you know by by chance and luckily there was a uh, Ironman event right right on my doorstep being Buston Ironman or Ironman Western Australia and I guess I met people through that and 
then just decided to do an Ironman for the hell of it um, in 2008. And then things have progressed through that. And uh, obviously over time I've uh, thought I got, well, I got pretty good at it and, um, you know, won my age group and uh, got fourth in the um, age group in the World Championships in Kona in 2013. And then people said, well, why don't you do this full time? And so that's what I did. And here I am today, lived in Thailand, um, living in Thailand and, um, you know, having having a bit of fun with triathlon and traveling the world and meeting some great people. So was um, Ironman Western Australia your first triathlon or did you do some build-ups to that? Uh, no, well, I obviously started club level um, probably only for a year. I can't really remember how long it was, but um, I did do... I did do seventy point three, one seventy point three before the before the full, and that was in the same year. So, um, yeah, maybe just tell us a bit about your progression in terms of you sort of talked about a fourth place finish there in Kona, but like when you first started, were you straight to the to, to, to pretty much the front of the pack, and then just slowly worked up that last sort of few percent to being you know a top age grouper or were you sort of, uh, you know, back of the packer and, and worked your way through from there? Um, uh, well, when, when I first started, obviously it wasn't really a focus, so I didn't even train really. Um, it was just a bit of, just a bit of fun. Um, so my first Ironman in 2008 was sub-12 hours. And then just over the years, I just, the being the competitive person that I am, that I just wanted to improve, you know, just improve my times and over – over a course of what you know, a couple of years, I I dropped it down to to nine hours twelve type of thing um, at the end of two thousand and fourteen. So just yeah, just through that and just through pre you know pure determination, I did start winning age groups, but not until not until sort of I qualified for Kona um, in two thousand and thirteen, where I said where the transition sort of happened, and I thought oh maybe I need to start doing you know, a bit more proper training and things like that, as I said. But before that, it was just rock up and have a crack. That was all it was about. So so, so you're in Thailand. So how did you actually end up in Thailand? Was that a triathlon choice or was that kind of life took you in this direction and you're just doing triathlon at the same time? Um, so basically I um, just hashed going back a bit. My, my profession is a industrial paramedic or yep. was an industrial paramedic on the remote mines of Western Australia working oh, wow. line. So, yeah, um, basically when I was working, I was working sort of two weeks on, two weeks off, and when I sort of decided that, you know, maybe I should have a really good go at this, I came over to Thailand to train at Tanapura in 2014 for a month in preparation for Ironman Malaysia where I finished third. And I, um, yeah, just basically met the Tanapura team at that time, met Jürgen Zapp, who was the head coach at that time, and things just sort of fell into place. I I never really thought that I would move to Thailand, to be honest, but then, um, you know, Jürgen was sort of keen to sort of develop me a little bit more, and I was sort of umming and ahhing on whether I should continue to do fly and fly out or not, because it was quite, you know, tough and hard going. Um... And, yeah, it just basically happened like that. And in the end, I just said, right, if I'm not going to do it now, I never will. So I just left my job or had a 12-month sabbatical, left my job and came over here and training full-time and sort of haven't left. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I guess a lot of people might ask the question, how how is the training different in Thailand to Australia? But I guess for your circumstances, it's going to be really different anyway because you're not doing that two weeks on, two weeks off. But if you think about that two weeks when you were back home and doing regular sort of training, how do you train differently in Thailand, obviously, where you've got the, the heat and, and what have you? Well, obviously, it's a lot more structured. Um, so obviously, you know, the, the training regime – is very similar week in week out here we train 14 13 sessions a week and obviously I have people around me where I was where I was training back home and and don't get me wrong I love where I live and I have some great training locations but I was training on my own and so I really couldn't develop much as more as an athlete because I, I never could never get you know could never push myself other than pushing myself and obviously here you know sessions we might have 20 people at the swim session or, you know, 60 people on the bike ride. And it's just, you know, you, you get you get pushed a little bit more having that, you know, those people around you. And I'm, I'm only one of the few pro athletes that does train here. Um, most of the guys are age groupers or just local ties or, you know, people that live here and just do it for, do it for a bit of fun. But we all work together and we all want to, you know, try and get faster and fitter, and um, it's working for me. So, yeah, that's how it's all worked out. So, so what's you, the, oh, you go. What, what's the cost of living? And I mean, we know they talk about it being cheap in Asia, but comparing to Australia, like, is it a quarter of the price to, to live in, in Thailand and train, or is it a half, or is it just minuscule? How, how do you sort of compare the, the two different places to live? Okay, well, well, obviously, you know, you can live high-end here. There's no question about it. Um, but if you do want to live cheaply here, you can you can pay, like I'm paying $600 a month for rent in like a little one-bedroom apartment, quite secure, in a good area. Um, Food-wise, I probably spend, um, oh, well, you eat out more because it's you know like it's easier to eat out at the markets and things like that but I could spend two dollars on a meal you know mm-hmm. um, half a chicken and salad if I wanted or I could spend 30 bucks on a meal um, yeah so you know there is it is, it is a lot cheaper but I said you can still live high-end if you wanted to so it really depends on where you are and where you're based and what what budget you have you know I'm probably not at the low end like I could live cheaper again but I'm sort of not mid-range either so don't, want to, don't want to sleep on the footpaths no no and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sort of based i'm a kilometer from the beach and i'm about 500 meters from big resorts laguna resorts and Doucet resort yeah. things like that so um but i'm literally 50 meters from where my training starts you know so you, you, as i said you can live as cheap as you like but um yeah i'm sort of mid-range but compared to australia i wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing i don't think um, living in Australia, where I live, especially in Western Australia, you know, just just to um, to leave the state, you know, alone, you're looking at you know, five hundred dollars for an airfare. So you got to think of those things as well. well what's it like culturally? You know, because Australia is a pretty, you know, first world country, and then you know, and Thailand has its aspect of third world aspect to it. So what's it like yeah. actually living there? Um, just in a day-to-day way because we all go there for holidays or a lot of people go there for holidays but it's very much that kind of high-end experience that's still cheap for us but for someone who's actually living there what's kind of some of the insights you have? Look you you know the 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 number one thing is you need to um, respect their culture you know and and yeah and and respect that they are 
there is people here that are only living on 500 baht a day, which is, what, $15, $20 a day. Um, I have a, a lot of Thai friends now, um, and you, you just over time you learn learn about them. At first I, w- I wasn't, you know, and everyone's the same, you know, you're not w- well welcomed until they sort of start to learn and pick you up because obviously there's a lot of Thais here that do get taken advantage of, you know, they're, they're seen as servant, servants and whatnot. Yeah. But um, as I said, I um. You know, and, and obviously, you know, the current thing at the moment with the death of a king, that's uh, quite a touchy subject. So, you know, we all wear black for the next 30 days or white um, and, you know, we respect their culture in the regards they don't want parties, they don't want to see us drinking, well, not just us but the local ties as well. So there's things like that that you sort of got to you got to remember. And um, But as far as living here, look, you know, I feel really safe. I'm in a good area. Um I've got some great friends, both Thai and expats, um, and and uh, yeah, over time I'm just learning. There's 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 Buddha and there's um, Muslim culture here, so you know if you learn about those, you know you, you just got to respect them for who they are, and they give the same in return. Mm. So in the, going into Kona this year, and I say this to a lot of pros who are probably in a similar position to yourself, where. You know, there's, there's quite a few other races on at this time of the year and you guys, realistically, you know, top 10 is, is a fantastic day. Um, but, you know, it's going to be tight as to whether you get there or not. And you could alternatively go to other races around the world and probably podium and get some prize money. So what for you was the is sort of the motivating factor to go to Kona this year? Yeah, look, it's just really the pinnacle of the sport. You know, everyone's there. Everyone's at their peak. There's a lot of races nowadays that you know people can just go to a race and just wing it or not be on their own game or there's only a limited number of top athletes there and you really can't compare yourself to see where you're fully at and you know if you want to progress in this sport sometimes you've got to take a hit and be prepared to come 15th or 17th where I came this year and and learn from that and you know that's what drives and motivates me you know like I you know I'm very lucky that my coach, who's Jürgen Zach, he's he's been there, done that. Um, he obviously didn't win Kona, but he's won multiple Ironman and seconds and things like that at Kona. And you know, that's the driving force for me. It's not just so not so much about um, the the win. You know, obviously everyone wants a win, but um, it's about yeah, getting faster and fitter against the best in the world, and that's that's where Kona is. What was, what was the experience like for you? Like you know, tell us about your day. Yeah, look, I um, you know, I went in with pretty confident hopes to to do well, and yeah, obviously, as John has said, you know, top ten is what everyone is aiming for, and realistically, that's what I was aiming for. Um, it really came down to me in the end was a tactical thing, and obviously, confidence. You know, I, I probably didn't realise now looking back that I was in the fittest shape that I, you know, I knew I was in the fittest shape that I was in, but I I didn't really apply myself to execute a fit race day like I sort of got caught up in a bit of tactics and sort of then became unsure on myself on where when I should sort of have a little crack and when I should hold back and in the end I sort of held my held my run you know strong but I probably left that too late and I think I made up 10 places just on the run Mm. where I should have probably attacked a bit more on the bike but you know no, that's that's learning. Me, 
looking back now, a lot more determined that, yeah, I am I am capable to be with these girls. It just really comes down to placing yourself in the field at the right position at the right time. How did the experience um, compare for you to when you did it as an age grouper versus uh, racing as a pro? Well, look, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, talk about the difference between pro and age group racing. And I, you know, I'm lucky now to be one of these people to compare the two. And I think you really, you really can't compare the two. Age group racing, you sort of, it's hard to know where you are. There's, you know, you've got so many more women and people around you that you're really just racing for yourself. And they're probably, there's probably less pressure with that. You know, for me, I think is that you just go for it and just let let the body do its job and take your highs and lows when they come and just keep creeping yourself up. Whereas pro racing, you know, I find now is, yeah, it's not so much about how fit you are and how fast you are. It's about, yeah, playing your cards right and just laying it down when you should lay it down and, you know, and then go from there. Um so it's diff- very different, um, and it's something that I'm still, as I said, still learning. Um, but it will come. Mm. So what, what's your plans now? You know, you've been to the Big Island as a pro, as an age grouper. Um, you kind of seen where you're at, and it's got to be recognised. You know, if you were fourth in your age group when you went there in 2013, I think you said. You know, this year you, you raced over there and was 17th out of the the pro girls. I think there was only one age grouper overall that might have pipped you somewhere along the line, which is. Um, you must have must have improved quite a bit over the over the last um, three years. What's yeah. your sort of plan for the for the next three years or or next couple of years? Yeah, look, um, yeah, you know, and that's another thing you got to look at is that yeah, I have improved every time I've stepped on the field in Kona. Yeah, like I come, yeah, the fourth age grouper, and then I was twentieth last year and seventeenth this year. So I can't really complain. And look, I, I'm just excited just to keep developing and and pushing harder and and going faster and. You know, Jürgen and I have sat down and debriefed after this race and he's in the same agreement. It's just really me now. We, we've got all the fundamentals. Everything's right for training and, you know, I just need to learn to race tactics more and, and so that's what we've started doing. You know, we had a bit of a ride on Saturday and it was a bit of a criterium-type race and it's something that I've never done before and just trying to learn those type of things and, and then, yeah, just continuing to uh, – to get there and I think also for me I'll start racing a lot more championship races and once again it's just so I can race against the best girls in the world and and um and compare myself to them um and that's how I'll keep going from now on what would be what would be the kind of main piece of advice you'd give to someone who was in your shoes a few years ago like you know kind of very good age group obviously winning you know getting really well in Kona um then to make this transition what, what would be some advice that you'd share Look, I, I think at the at the end of the day, it's a personal choice. You know, everyone has different goals and aspirations in life. And as I said, like it's for me, it's not just about winning. There's there's so many other factors out there that you know. For me, I just want to get faster and, and race against the world. And if it does, if it does mean winning a race, well then so be it. If it means coming seventeenth and in the against the world's best, well then so be it. But you know, I think you just need to be realistic and honest and true to yourself on whether you are you want you want to become a professional and some people don't want to do that it's a hard life it's not as glamorous as what people think you know sometimes I do wish maybe it's easier for me to go and work a my back at my FIFO work and work my 12-hour shifts and night shifts and that but you know like 
and then there's days where I'm really enjoying what I do because it's, you know, I'm living my dream now. But as I said, it, it's really a personal thing and I commend people that do make the decision and make the choice because it's not easy and it, and it never will be because the competition continues to grow and to get, continues to get harder and faster and so you just got to be prepared for that. And um, I remember when we spoke in Kona, you were talking about the growth of the sport in Asia and we, we hear about WTC saying, you know, that's where we want to grow the sport and we're seeing a lot of not necessarily um, – I think we're seeing a stagnation in most of the developed countries, New Zealand, um, certainly maybe in America, I think England maybe still growing, but um, it's really hard for us to gauge what's going on in Asia because we see some of the long course Ironman races getting cancelled and then we see the lots more 70.3s popping up. But you were saying to me that some of the races are just going off. Yeah, correct. You know, um, racing in Asia, the Philippines especially, and now Thailand, it's just it's just crazy and, and it's back to grassroots level. There's no, there's no, you know, I think what's happening in, in the, like Australia and in New Zealand, for example, is that it's all about money and the bling bling and who has what and who has what gadgets. Whereas here it's all grassroots, you know, like they can ride out on a $50 bike and they wouldn't care, you know, like they're out there having a go, having fun with their mates. Some of them can't even hardly swim, you know, but they're getting around the course, they're smiling, um, and, you know, I've, I'm an ambassador for one of the local Thai event organisers here um, and they, um, they've they had 2,000 people at their Olympic distance races, you know, wow. and it's just it's just crazy, you know, like, and, and, and it's just, it's just, as I said, the atmosphere is like a world championship to them. It's like their parties are great, you know, everything, you know, everything around the whole course and the whole race is great. Um, and the Philippines, um, you know, I'm a I'm supported athlete from um, Alaska and that's one of the main milk corporations over there and the CEO owns the events um, or, the you know, has the licence for the Ironman events over there and he is so into it and, as I said, like, their races sell out in, like, two or three minutes. It's just ridiculous, you know, and, the, the you know, if you guys could ever come over and watch um, the uh, – 70.3 Cebu um, Ironman, it's just it's just crazy. It's like Tour de France style. There's people 10 people deep along the whole bike course, and this is no joke, and, like, the swim is like fireworks and everything <laughs> you can think of. You know, it's, just, it's just crazy, you know, but you've got to see it to believe it, and, and that's what I love about it here is this, the passion is just there. It's not, as I said, it's not about the competition so much now because – most of these guys can't afford to go, you know, to Kona or to world championships or travel, so they just race the local ones. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's hard to believe and hard to fathom. If, um, if people want to sort of follow your progress, um, what's the best way to do that? And have you got any sort of plugs you want to get out there in terms of any sponsors or anything you're doing? Um, give it Here's your chance to, to give, give yourself some plugs. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, yeah, first and foremost, thanks to you guys for the opportunity to allow me to do it. But, um, yeah, look, um, I think if anyone wants to come to Phuket and train, you know, we have a – I'm under Z Coaching Phuket, which is an online Facebook page, and we um, we have a – you know, people can come and train with us if they're on holidays or want to come for a week or a month or whatnot. Um, so, you know, check out our schedule, and if you're keen, come and say hi, and then – 
same with me with my Facebook page, um, Dimitri Lee Duke Professional Ironman Triathlete. You know, you can keep in contact with me there. And then, yeah, just uh, look look forward to seeing you guys all out in the races, you know, and come and say hi. I'm not I'm not one of these people that's sta- a bit standoffish. I'm happy to share my knowledge when I can and, yeah, just look forward to seeing you there racing. So what's, what's on your racing calendar? What's coming up? Um, so I've got uh, 5150 Bahol in two weeks and then 70.3 Phuket at the end of November and then I will then go to – Ironman South Africa um, in April. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's the plan. Oh, and I've got 70.3 Subic Bay in March. So, yeah, got a few races coming up. But, um, yeah, Ironman South Africa will be the target um, from now on and then we'll go from there, hopefully back in Kona in 2017. Fantastic. Now, it's great to hear some awesome stuff happening in Asia. You know, I think we are pretty disconnected. Um, I think when, when they put the 70.3... Asia-Pacific champs there. We thought, oh, God, who's going to go to that? But it sounds like it's going, uh, going absolutely nuts, which is fantastic. So uh, good on you for getting the word out there and uh, around the, the Asian places. And, um, yeah, we hopefully see you cracking that top 10 in Kona next year. Yeah, look forward to it. Yeah, look, hopefully we can catch up next year and uh, do the same thing, have a bit of debrief and see if I've got faster. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice work. <laughs> in, in some ways it's quite wise to go to Thailand, isn't it? For a pro athlete, oh, it's a great move. Well, it's it's a big move because you, yeah, you lose all your sport yeah. network and all the rest mm. of it. But but financially, mm. it makes it much more reasonable to kind of have to make a living as a pro and actually have to make it work. And for a life experience, pretty cool. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm. One thing that I've got to um, say is awesome is when she was talking about the seventy point three. I think it was Cebu, where they now have the Asia Pacific Championships. Yep. And I'm going to tell you. Say so, you know, I, I was wrong. I, Back I, it up. Can I record? That is recorded. <laughs> yeah, it's <I'm laughs> that, That's recorded. Because they, they moved. Can someone make a song of that and send it through to us? Just not. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they had the seventy point three Asia Pacific champs in Auckland for a yep. couple of years. It was yep. a great race. And then I can't remember if they moved them straight from Auckland to somewhere else. But then now it was in Cebu, and I kind of see it. So, well, yeah, it's not really, you know, the old poor Aussies and Kiwis. It's you know, it's um, such a hassle. It's such a hassle for us to go over there. You know, that's our selfish little. Um, well, it is a cost. It is a cost. Yeah, but it's no different to the Asian countries having to fly to Auckland to come and do seventy point three champs. But but in fairness, well, maybe not in fairness. I wonder what the numbers are. Like if we look at Australia, New Zealand, and Asia, how many people are doing triathlon each region? Sounds like Asia's kicking yeah, some ass. Yeah. So it sounds wicked over there. I'm just really pleased to hear. That at a championship race, yeah, you might not have all the best athletes from Asia Pacific because the Aussies and Kiwis probably won't travel that much. It doesn't have that big a draw card for the age groupers yet, but it sounds like it's a wicked, wicked race. So uh, good on them, and I hope hope a few more of us start to make the trip over and actually do make it a regional championships of uh, of good caliber athletes racing. So not to take anything away anything away from the Asian athletes, but it just sounds like. It's a cool place to go and have that experience where you've got loads of people on the road all the way around. Are they is is, is seventy point three champs going to be moving around? I would envisage or is it set in stone, is, but I don't know the answer to that. Mm. Okay, John, um, sponsor Extreme Endurance. It's your lactic buffer. I had my brother-in-law did the Abel Tasman race the other oh, day. Oh, did he? How'd he go? Yeah. Well, he a friend ran, of mine won it. 
he went three thirty, which was pretty impressive because you can with this it's race. A, it's a marathon, basically. Bevan and I talk about it a fair bit. It's yeah. amazing. I love pretty, that. pretty much quite to a marathon. Three thirty is pretty decent yeah. for someone who does pretty much bugger all. He's done it once before, but the difference this time was he asked me if I've got any tricks to try. Oh really? So I, have, I had this bag of sports nutrition stuff just you know leftover goos and gels I said well take that and uh, use what you need for the you know last few weeks of training and then I said and take this like these pills before the race I said take them for the week before the race and uh, and you'll be away laughing and he performed I think he might have done four and a half hours last oh, time oh wow so it, it was somewhere in that sort of four to four and a half hour range it's a massive improvement and uh, and said he felt fantastic and didn't feel that sore afterwards either and he was running along and he was running with a mate and his mate ran off and sort of gassed him a bit when he was stopping to do his laces and then he just went ploughing past his mate later on and his mate was That's eating jelly feeling. beans and all that sort of stuff. But no, I think the main point was he used the extreme endurance. He only used it for a week um, leading into the race and, and, and at the race and, uh, and had a significant improvement, significantly less sore legs. So guys, it can make a really... You know, a really quick turnaround if you've got a race coming up, whether it be a training race or whether it be one of your main races for the season, um, it's not one of those things that you need to be loading for three months beforehand to get the benefit. Um, it can be as little as 72 hours, we've heard from some people in the past and they feel like they get a nice little boost but also that uh, that post-race recovery is enhanced. So check it out, xendurance.com, use the promo code IMTALK. 10 and you get 10% discount and that works on the .com and any of the .eu or UK sites so check it out xendurance.com Check, check, check it out Okay, Jumbo, questions and answers. answers. Okay, so when I got this through from, you haven't put the names in there again. I have, Sebastian. Oh, okay uh, When to switch on to my TT bike message. Hi John, following your I Am Talk podcast religiously and absolutely love it. I thought an interesting question to include in Coach's Corner would be to have your thoughts on when it was the right time to switch over from a training on a road bike and then begin training on a TT bike and even if training only on a TT bike full time is worth entertaining. Hope to one day come on one of your epic camps. They sound, well, epic. They do indeed. They are indeed I should say. Yes. So TT bikes, uh, I'd pretty much say that yeah, doing almost all your flat riding and all your interval riding on your TT bike, especially if you've got a power meter. And across the board, I don't think enough people spend enough time on their aero bars, Bevan. No, just, no. And when you think about if you're going to ride 180k, could you do that? Yeah. You know? Pre- predominantly on your aero bars. So I think that's probably the main message here is. Especially for your lower back. Yeah. yeah and, and just being comfortable in your position. And if you're not comfortable, you need to get yourself comfortable. Yeah. yeah of course. You, we don't sit on our aero bars for 180Ks, but if you can't sit on your aero bars for the majority, for, 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 for say 30 minutes without feeling like you need to get up, you need to do some tweaking um, either with your your saddle choices, with <coughs> your position, how low you are, but you've got to, got to figure out a way. Now some people are do have chronic back problems and chronically tight, so that might be something you need to address, but if you cannot sit on your aero bars for 30 minutes continuously without it being too much of a drama, you need to make some sort of change. So I guess to answer your question there Sebastian, um, I would be saying TT bike the majority of the time, uh, going through winter, a lot of people like to look after their TT bikes a bit, so if you're doing sort of just general training and it's pissing down with rain and you're still going to go out, that might be a time to get on your roadie. Likewise, if you're going into the hills, um, then then riding your roadie, but otherwise, you want to be on your TT bike as much as possible, getting used to that position. 
Matt Young sent us through another question just about Jim Powers Vance, um, sorry, Vin Vance's Power Meter book. Just listened to your interview with Jim Vance recently around running power meters and metrics values they measure. Isn't it just the same as the info that we can already get from uploading your run to Garmin after using the run specific chest trap? strap the heart rate monitor if this is the case it would mean just needing some formula applied to get power numbers we are after maybe training peaks will soon be able to do this anyway just a thought so he's basically saying do we need the tools that power have well no because garmin already does some of the stuff that we've been talking about and i wasn't really sure about the answer to this i've actually got myself the new new garmin um, just the other day got the new garmin did you buy that did you and and (laughs) And I'm going to be giving out, the, and I haven't actually tried the power meter yet. So I went back to Jim and said, uh, he said, happy to answer this. The answer is no, not even close. A Garmin on your wrist using the GPS satellite cannot get data about how much vertical power you have as that is measured in centimetres and in millimetres, not accurate from GPS satellites. In fact, most GPS satellite signals are not reliable for even a 5 or 10k run in terms of measuring precisely. So to expect them to be able to measure the millimetres or centimetres you move three-dimensionally in space is not realistic for any accurate measurement. And it would almost be like expecting an accurate runtime for your race with a sundial. You might get an idea but won't be anywhere near as useful. So what the stride does is basically it's sitting on you so it's getting those measurements mm-hmm. accurately from you right now. So then you're getting much better data to actually make the analysis. It's kind of exactly. what you're saying there. Okay. What's the what so how's the new Garmin watch meant to be doing it? No, I, well I'm not hundred percent sure. That's why I asked Jim. Okay. What watch is it? Nine twenty. Uh-uh. I've which came, with, which came with two heart rate straps. It had a, a swimming one and a running and biking one. Mm. Do you use heart rate monitors when you run? Uh, not a lot. I use it for racing purposes. Just for feedback? Mm. Mm. Uh, just a couple of emails that I put on here. John, uh, Peter Colson sent through the video that's out for Kona. It's just a 10-minute kind of wrap-up, uh, but I'll put that in the show notes for this week. Uh, and also just Ben Colborough, he's just trying to raise $3,000 for the Stroke Foundation. And doing this, he's going to try to do 370.3. So he's swimming 1.9Ks four times, riding 90Ks four times, and running um, 21.1Ks four times. And he's going to be doing this in Newcastle in Australia, uh, basically over two courses. But he would love to get some help out there. So pacing on the legs, keeping awake, and hydration, nutrition. He's going to do it over 24 hours. He's also trying to fundraise for the Stroke Foundation. And I'll put a link to the the, the page that he's doing that on and to his website if you do want to support him on that. So that's Ben Colborough. So... Jumbo, patrons. What do you? What is? I'm just confused. I, I was trying to listen to what you were saying about is he going to do that much in 24 hours? It's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. But I think he's a pretty decent athlete. Yeah. Mm. Patrons, yes. <coughs> We've got a few new patrons. Still, I mean, really, in 24 hours. Hmm. You could do that. How many? Well, it's two I mean, really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, mm. you'd have to be moving reasonably. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And maybe because you're mixing it up, it wouldn't be so demanding. Mm. Mm. Good challenge, though. Yeah, good little challenge. Patrons, Sean O'Brien, the body. Why the body? Well, there's a couple of reasons here. He's from Madison, Wisconsin. Now, I know Madison Square Garden, I know I'm pretty positive as a New Yorker, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big sporting arena, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But the reason I always think Madison Square Garden is because superstars of wrestling go to Madison Square Garden. What you gonna do? (laughs) And uh, and so I thought I want to go down the, the the wrestling angle, 
but Sean was also an ER doctor. Oh, nice. And so I thought the body kind well, of... Now, who was the body? Wasn't it Jesse, Jesse the body, the body Ventura? Ventura? I actually did an interview with him from the other day on some other podcast because he's a real political guy nowadays. Right. Oh, yeah, and he's got an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean, the body, O'Brien. Now, do we have to do the next one, do you? You go on to uh, iamtalk.me okay, and go on to uh, page two of our patron pictures. iamtalk.me. And so, guys, if, if you are a patron and you haven't sent through a picture, do send through a picture. We have a page on iamtalk.me um, with all our pictures of, of lots of our patrons. And it's one there, it's almost one of the last photos there, black and white picture. Meet our patrons. Okay, here we go. Page two. Page two. I like how it does. Now, we're doing a new website, John, and what mm -hmm. they're doing with the new website with the patrons photos is really cool. Okay, page two. My internet's really slow for some reason. Um, Trotman. They're not showing up, John. Oh, here we go. Down the bottom. Black and white, black and white, black and white, black and white, black. Okay. Can you try Can you think of a nickname for that? Oh, we've got the bow tie. He's looking pretty serious. He looks like he's had a bit of a big night. It's Bro Brody Edge from Australia. I was going to say closer to. Sorry? Brody, closer to the edge. Okay. Come on, that's good. <laughs> closer to. <laughs> Come on, that's good. Closer to. Okay, I've got the next one. Okay. Rowan Allingham. I thought you got to go to Mr. Bean angle there. Well, I, Rowan Exenson, but then I went I went Blackadder because you don't want to go Mr. Bean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I looked up Blackadder characters on good old Facebook. And my favourite Blackadder character. Did you watch Blackadder? A little bit, yeah. Oh, you go back and watch it. It still holds up. Lord Flashheart. Lord Flashheart. Which was Rick Mails, and it was just this real kind of eccentric, oh, gold, gold character. Go go on YouTube and watch Lord Flashheart a couple of clips, especially when he kills Adrian. Who was the guy who played Vivian? And the young ones was it Adrian Edmonds or something like that? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> he's like this German soldier, and they're going to have this big battle. Check it out. I'll ruin it by talking about it. But yeah, yeah check it out. Lord Flashart. And uh, Ethan. Oh, Captain Flashart. Oh, was it Lord Flashart? Lord, Lord Flashart. Yeah. Yep. yep. Ethan Matthias. Yep. The Pied Piper. Nice. Is it an athlete's picture? He's running along. And I'm picking it. Must might be his kids. He's got a couple of kids. He looks like he's running running uh, towards the end of a race, and his kids are sort of following him in. So he's the Pied Piper, bringing them in. Okay, nicely. And lastly, we have Flynn. Finn Zweiger. Hopefully, we pronounce your surname right there, yeah, Finn. Yeah. I thought the professor. Why the professor? Because he's trying to say he's. He, we can't pronounce his name properly, so maybe he's a teacher or something. Oh, okay. Know, so oh, so if you've got a hard name, you're intelligent, basically. Yeah, and, and we're yeah. not. We're plebs. Yeah, you Seminoles. Come on. <laughs> We've got no hope. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, there. So, if you want to become a patron of the show, it really means a lot to us, team. Uh, it helps us do what we're doing and all that kind of Kona coverage, which lots of people really, really had massive downloads, didn't we, John? Great record, massive record downloads like, from the like, post race. A interviews. third bigger than we've ever had before. Yeah. Massive, huge, huge downloads, which is awesome. Um, and also, you know, so if, if you're a little bit newer to the show, obviously we're a weekly podcast. Um, but. Um, if you want to support what we're doing and those people who do support what we're doing it means a lot go to www.imtalk.me and we're getting a new website and it's because patrons so yeah and also remember guys um, the I Am Talk gear is out now and uh, you get the blue gear you got the pink gear check it out on iamtalk.me get lots of great feedback you look stylish and uh, you'll get a lot of support when you're out there training and racing so Jumbo, just while we're on that we'll think through a photo again you haven't put the name of the person who sent through the photo <laughs> Right. Yep, carry on. Yeah, sharpen up with that, John. Just sharpen up. Yep. But the photo was sent through because they were watching some race somewhere. 
Iron Man Wales. Iron Man Wales. I know who was in the photo. Ben Moore. Yeah. Ben Moore was in the background. He was on TV. Yeah. So the Iron Man Iron Talks tri-suit on. Yeah. So there you go. He'd even get you on TV. It wasn't anything to do with the, the guy who was leading the race, which I think might be Philip Graves. Um, it was all, they wanted to get a bit of Iron Talk footage They actually the changed TV. the coverage. Mm. And they went, oh no, Iron Talk. Mm. There's what we're doing. So Ben Moore, you're, you're an international superstar now. You're yeah. recognised around the world. Why? Mm-hmm. Because, because he was wearing it. Yeah, there we go. So check it out. Go to iamtalk.me and I'll put a link to that getting the gear on this week's show notes. Jumbo sponsor. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And they include some amazing people, John. They do. do. John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Back into a groove now, Bevan, I guess. You know, Kona's done and dusted. <laughs> Time to. Get over it and move on and... Build a bridge. Build a bridge. So getting into a routine with my training. I think I, think I wouldn't have been far off setting a slowest average speed ever in a, on a bike ride oh, at the nice. weekend. I did four hours with the Philinator. Granted, it did have some hills and stuff in it. A few hills, but... The Philinator's not sharp now either. Not at the moment. Uh, we averaged 25Ks an hour just under... And that was like including some hills, but it wasn't a crazy amount. 25Ks an hour. Yeah, it was not not mm. pretty. But we're going, it was one of those days. Here we go. We're riding along and going, I'm not getting much of a tailwind here, but I know sooner or later I'm going to be turning into this and it's going to be a woeful headwind. So, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't pleasant and it wasn't. Is he's going to do road? He's going to do the race? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so training is uh, good in patches, but I was trying to do a bit of a fat burner, so went out with zero nutrition and just doing you know, four hour well, ride apparently, apparently you ate a bit too many carbs in Kona. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Hence, uh, trying to just pull it back a little bit. I had this amazing epiphany, uh, you know, and it's, it is starting to come off, eating less. I think I've had this one epiphany before. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a mind blowing. Eating less. You should write a book about that. You should. And it's... <laughs> that's cold. I had an epiphany. <laughs> and... <laughs> it's okay to be a little bit hungry from time to time. Okay? Just putting it out there. Just Man, I'm glad you're doing this nutrition degree. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> me. $100 appointments. Come in. What's your problem? Oh, I've got a bit of weight. Eat less. <laughs> See you later. This guy's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have my own podcast soon. John Newsome Show. <laughs> it's only one episode. Yeah. <laughs> 10 seconds long. Hi, I'm John. Eat this. See you later. <laughs> Why do you eat too much? Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you? Yes. Most triathletes do. I'm really good nowadays. So one thing I've done really well as I moved away from triathlon is I've I'm, I've just got a good routine around eating. And, and the big thing I've worked on is the outside of routine time. So like in Kona, I ate really well and I didn't eat too much. And I, you know, and I've, I've really learnt that side of myself and that whereas in the past, out of routine time, basically, when I went OTT. And, you know, it doesn't mean that at times I don't go OTT, but I really don't nowadays. And it's, yeah, so I obviously learnt your but epiphany. That, that takes some <laughs> discipline before. and some training. And most of us athletes <clears throat> just eat. You just think, oh, I'm a triathlete. I'll just eat whatever I want to eat yeah. and just keep eating. And uh, So is it about eating less often or is it smaller portion sizes? Uh, probably eating less often for me. So how often yeah. were you eating? Uh, well, I haven't kind of, I was bloody eating all the time. <laughs> I know, every time I, I saw you, I was like, get that food out of your mouth so we can do the show. I was eating a lot and, <laughs> and often. And the other problem for you and Kona was it was in front of you all the time because you were... Yeah, support crew stuff, it sucks. But no, for me, it's more probably um, just having my main meals and, and not snacking so much in between times. So 
traditionally, how many times would you eat a day? Like even just snacks? Oh, I would do lunch, you know, your main meals and then just probably a little bit of morning tea and afternoon tea. Um, but that would often, it would often be good food, but I'd just be, it would still just be too much for the amount of training. I'm only doing, you know, most days I'm only doing an hour to an hour and a half of exercise in the weekends do a little bit more. I'm only doing one session a day, very only, rarely doing two. Only doing an hour and a half. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was just eat, just eat too much. Huh. It's pretty simple. There you go. <laughs> Mind-blowing stuff. <laughs> a, if you want to lose some weight, eat less. <laughs> Eat less. Eat mm. lots of vegetables. Real food. Lots of f- real food. Plenty of fat and eat less. Do you know the only thing I've, I've really worked on as well? Don't worry about what you eat. Well. No, 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 no. What I mean by that is not the food. Yeah. But don't be concerned about what you eat. Mm. You know, don't. don't Have a plan. No, but like, like what I'm saying is, like for me, I'm, I'm, I've never gone on any crazy diet. I've never done any of that. Mm. Now, I don't, I don't think, I, don't, I never think you should believe the person say, here's what I've done because we're all different. But, but. You know, I, I eat a really kind of broad range of foods and I do have some shit food at times, but I never feel guilty about what I eat. Mm. And I think it's probably because I now stay within control, but I, I always think people spend so much time thinking about what they eat and how bad about that. So what a waste of your life. Mm. What a waste of your life thinking about, oh my God, I ate this. Mm. When I could be going, here, I'm doing cool empowering stuff. So there we go. There you go. Well, any, you go. any other goss? Another goss. What about you, Bevan? Joe came back from America. Yep. Yep. Survived the flight. She missed a flight. She missed a flight in Auckland because she. Uh, so I was I was coaching Saturday morning and I had to pick her up afterwards, and then um, I got the call. She missed a flight from Auckland to, but it was her own fault. Right. That yeah, missing flights not a big deal, but if it's your own fault, because guess before. what happened? She went baggage came and picked the wrong bag. Went uh. through the domestic. Went to check in. I said. That ain't your bag. Yeah. And so she, she had to run because if in New Zealand Auckland Airport you basically got. Domestic and international, it's probably a 10 minute, mm-hmm. 10 minute walk to 15 minute walk. So she had to run back to international, try to get her bag, run mm-hmm. back to domestic, missed it. And poor person's bag she stole. I know. She took everything out of it as well, took the good bits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, she was late. So that was that was good. And then just because now she's going to bed at probably 7 30 at night, I've been going to bed early. <laughs> Nothing worse. And then you wake up at three in the morning. <laughs> so there we go. Other than that, John, not much. Not much. Not much. No. 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 Great. That's it. I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kicker.